0: This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce.
1: Welcome in to another edition of Bragging Rights Week 11 Recap Week 12 preview yes only one episode this week I'm gonna go ahead and get my apologies out of the way uh listen life comes at you fast uh boyfriend's car got stolen so was dealing with that helping him out this week I had to work a lot to get ready for Thanksgiving y'all just go ahead and uh give a little thank you to any of the creatives in your life or any of the creatives of the media that you take in because things go dark as we approach December um and so all of my, I have three jobs, and all of them seem to be crashing together at once. So just had a just had a tough week, getting ready to go uh, on vacation. Uh, well, not on vacation. I'm going home for Thanksgiving. I guess that's vacation for me. Um, so it's just been a tough week. But Pierce and I were still able to stream together a mega recap preview episode for you. So apologies there, but we're still getting it done. We don't want to leave y'all hanging. Um, all right, we don't have all the niceties and stuff. We had to do a solo recording. Pierce recorded his a few days ago. We're just going to jump right in, know how are you, and things of that nature. So without further ado, it's time to talk the good, the bad, and the ugly of week 11. And I'll let Pierce kick it off. Pierce, what's your good of the week?
0: My good of the week is the TCU defense and defensive coordinator, Joe Gillespie. Uh, Sonny Dykes hired him out of Tulsa. His defense is at Tulsa. He churned out some very good players um, and had some very good defenses. And most importantly, the teams that played him throughout his tenure there hated to go up against him. And boy, his uh, his coaching and, and his expertise is showing at TCU As they hold Texas to just 10 points, hold them without a touchdown um, and really wreaked havoc all night. I mean, this was a a game that everybody thought was going to be high scoring and TCU, both defenses for that matter. But TCU's in particular absolutely shut down the best running back in college football and B. John Robinson holding him to 29 rushing yards on the day, also holding Texas to only 199 yards total. Um, So a tough day for Quinn Ewers as well. Also tallied a a couple sacks and got a turnover in there. Uh, This TCU defense seemed to be the question mark all season, and for a game that was thought to be a high-scoring affair and seeing who had the ball last, uh, TCU's defense really made a statement, and Joe Gillespie um, probably going to be on the fast track here for a head coaching gig uh, in the next year or two. Um, hopefully TCU can hold on to him because he is doing great things and it showed this weekend. Got to give kudos to the Horned Frogs for a great defensive effort in week 11.
1: What a good good of the week. That was definitely on my list as well. Pierce scooped me on the recording. I'll let him have it since it is his alma mater um, and a little, maybe a little bit of a bad. My um, take about uh, Quinn Ewers and Sarkeesian and stuff, not not great. So um, should have gone with my normal gut, which was to go TCU, but I just talked out of it as we remember last week. By Pierce, Uh, my good of the week is going to be the vanderbilt commodores pierce is going to hit on it in a second with his ugly the other side of things and now listen all transparency i didn't watch this game um but it's awesome to see vanderbilt get it done get their first win uh in sec play in i don't even remember 26 games uh that's awesome for them they still have i mean they have a chance to be bowl eligible i don't think it's gonna happen they've got um who do they got? They got Florida and Tennessee to end the season, so probably not going to happen. But here's the thing: I- I've quoted this before. Bobby Bowden was famous for saying, first you lose small, then you lose, um, or sorry, you lose large, then you lose small, then you win small, then you win big." And this is definitely a big win for them. Kentucky absolutely uh, down in the dumps <laughs> based on what everybody was thinking was going to happen for them this season. But you love to see it from Clark Lee and company um, there. In Nashville, um, and again, like I said, I didn't watch this one, so I don't know exactly what happened. But just a win's a win's a win. It looks like defensively they put on quite a performance. Will Levis, we'll see. He's still got hella draft stock because of his, uh you know, size and ability. But Lord have mercy with that that kid. I'm gonna really to see what happens with him because he certainly is not translating at least on the college football field. So we'll see what he does in the pros because he'll get drafted. But I just don't know where he can do no wrong in Mel Kuyper's eyes. But that's my good of the week. The Vanderbilt Commodores anchor down. Go Commodores.
0: My bad of the week is the NC State Wolfpack. I mean, listen, folks, this is... I kind of feel dirty doing this. Obviously, their starting quarterback, O'Leary, or Devin Leary, um, got hurt a few weeks back and is out for the rest of the season. They're now on their third string, true freshman, M.J. Morris, who was a pretty highly profiled recruit out of uh, the state of Georgia. He came in, and obviously, you know, there's going to be some growing pain. So, again, feel a little bit dirty doing this, but, man, you know, when you're going up against a 2-7 and seven Boston college, a team who has looked inept all season. Probably one of my worst previews or predictions to start the season. I thought they were going to be a sneaky, uh, good team in the ACC. Boy, was I wrong. Uh, And to get beat, I know it was a last-second play. I know you're going to have ups and downs um, with a freshman quarterback. He's going to take his lumps. But, boy, going down to a BC team at home at night, um, when when you really had a chance to have a pretty successful season considering some of the injuries – um, and some of the mishaps that you had to give up a touchdown in the final you know, 20 seconds of the game to an awful Boston College team who I counted as down and out is, is deserves to be on this list. It hurts the ACC, which is even worse uh, for outside contenders such as Clemson and North Carolina who have a, a wishful thinking are trying and hoping to maybe backdoor into this playoff spot uh, really hurts the ACC's resume um, and, and a tough loss for the NC State Wolfpack.
1: My bad of the week is going to be the Oregon Ducks. Now, listen, I the bad of the week, not so much as the fact that they lost, though they did lose to Washington. I told y'all that was a bigger game than people expected, but they lost the game thirty-seven to thirty-three. But it was really weird. There was a play where Bo Nix seemed like he was a little hurt. Where he was trying to make an appeal. Didn't wasn't actually on the field. Probably could have had a chance to win it if he had been. Um, you know, all of a sudden you look forward and you go, did they just lose him, the Heisman? They're not going to make the playoffs now. Um, and the Pac 12 might be dead, save what happens with USC down the stretch, but Oregon for sure is not making it. Um, and you hate to do it against a rival. Like, that's this is a pretty big rival. The, uh, the, af- or not the aforementioned, what's the word I'm looking for? The formerly named. Um, Civil War, they don't call it that anymore, but Oregon-Oregon State is a big, huge rivalry, but Washington-Oregon, they also hate each other. So you hate that that's, this is the way that uh, uh, the first year under Dan Lanning with a very good transfer quarterback is going to come to an end because, I mean, who do they have this week? They've got, uh, They've got nobody this week. No, they've got Utah this week. That could be another loss for them, and then they've got Oregon State in the season. So, you know, we'll see. But, but all for not. The, nobody really pays attention. I love Pac-12 football. Let me just say that right now. I love Pac-12 football. Nobody really pays attention to Pac-12 football. So, to do this on the biggest stage when everybody's looking at you—a ranked matchup—it just sucks for them. And all of a sudden, people won't watch Pac-12 football anymore. So, hate that for them. Hate that for Bo Nix. They still have a lot to play for from a standpoint of um, you know, recruiting and things. You want to go out with a splash. But they're just, I, I hate that. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But 37 to 34, the final end of that one, the Ducks fall. And with that, so do their postseason hopes.
0: My ugly of the week is the Kentucky Wildcats. And listen, folks, this could just have easily have been Vandy on the good side of things, and, and it was. They were my 1B behind TCU, uh, but had to hit on this game. Vandy goes into Lexington, Kentucky, and knocks off the 24th-ranked uh, Kentucky Wildcats with an alleged potential first-round pick in Will Levis. They go in and, str- and, and, and snap a losing streak. Um, I think of 26, 27 games that went back to 2019, if, I, if I've if i got that correct. Um, and, 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 you know, this wasn't a fluky game. This wasn't a fluky game. Kentucky just got beat. Vanderbilt went out there and beat them, and Kentucky looked bad doing it. Will Levis uh, has failed to go over 200 yards passing since, I believe, week six. Um, and, and people are still talking about a potential first-rounder. I think not. Vanderbilt actually had a little more speed out there than the Kentucky D, uh, offense and defense did. Um, And just went out there and took it from this Kentucky team, you know, had popped a couple big runs, um, but have nothing going through the air. I mean, they've got Barry and Brown out there. I know they've got some guys. I know they lost some, too, last year. But if you're a first round talent that you should go out there and be putting up 220 at at minimum in your sleep and be able to elevate a bad uh, or, you know, maybe some young players or some lesser talent than you've had in in the past. And, And Will Levis is just not doing that. And Kentucky. Uh, Going in, you could call it a letdown spot, obviously, going into a big showdown this week against Kentucky. I think not. You should never overlook an SEC team. And a hungry one at that in a Vanderbilt team who's playing better ball this year, looks to have some speed on uh, at some skill positions and, and and is much improved. Excited about the, their prospects going into the next couple of years. But man, where does Kentucky go from this? If 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 you can't throw for over one hundred nine yards on the day against a Vanderbilt defense who has given up a lot of yards and a lot of points to many teams this season, Boy, it's 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 a downright ugly performance, if you ask me, Uh, in pretty much every phase but running back with Chris Rodriguez. So Kentucky, easy, clear runaway winner for my ugly of the week.
1: My ugly of the week is everyone not named Tennessee uh, or namely anybody who doesn't want to potentially see a rematch of a regular season game. Because like I said with my bad, Oregon probably is done. UCLA lost, they're done. USC has a chance, but even then they're going to need some help. Um, You've got Michigan and Ohio State right now sitting at two and three, but one of them is going to, has to lose here in Thanksgiving uh, so it's going to come down to what the committee wants to do. Obviously, Tennessee is sitting there just poised to move up into the top four with anything that happens in conference championship week. They get to not only lose or they get to uh, sit down that week, not have to actually play anybody. They get an extra week of rest. They're probably going to be, I would imagine, likely the three seed uh, heading into the playoffs. We'll see what the fourth seed does. It'd be hard to put them above TCU if TCU does win out. But like I said, Michigan and Ohio State, one of them is going to lose. So it comes down to a resume thing. Tennessee's got the better resume. So it's a good on them, but it's an ugly on everybody else, namely me, because I'll be honest, I know we have some Tennessee pan- fans that listen. To this, I was as nervous for that game as I've been for any game for a while as a Georgia fan, and I don't want to have to play them again. I don't. Um, I don't believe that they, you know, necessarily if it's a neutral site they get us type situation. But I hate losing home field advantage. Um, So that's that's my ugly of the week. Mainly, I guess it's a personal one because I don't want to have to see Tennessee again. I was really hoping that Oregon would win out and maybe have uh, we play them again, which I wouldn't really want to play again either because they're playing better. Um, but I think that hinden Hooker and company would be able to right some of their wrongs and it scares me. It scares me, but I, I do think the committee won't put them at four because they'll want to mitigate. And this is assuming that Georgia wins out and wins the SEC championship. If LSU wins the SEC championship, there you go. There's a chance there. If LSU wins the SEC championship, they're for sure in winner of Ohio state, Michigan, they're going to win the big 10. They're for sure. in. TCU, let's say they went out there for sure. And then you're looking and you go, okay, Do you put a Georgia in? Do you put a one-loss Georgia? Do you put a one-loss Michigan or Ohio State? And then you could potentially have Tennessee sitting at home watching a team that they absolutely blew out in the um, playoffs, which would be funny, funny, funny. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think Georgia's going to take care of business. And then, like I said, I think that Tennessee has got a real shot at making the playoffs. So really ugly for the rest of the country. Good on Tennessee. Y'all got a lot to lot to hope for, but you got to handle business down the stretch yourselves. That's my ugly of the week. Everyone not named Tennessee. That does it for our good, bad, and ugly. Pierce, Braggers of the Week.
0: Braggers of the Week, Week 11. And this is funny because... This is definitely my smallest card of the week last time I, or of the year. Last time I said that, I uh, got some snickers and some jeers from my co-host um, because I did have a pretty large card that day. Um, this one's short. There were a lot of good performances, but these stood out of week in week 11. E.J. Warner, Kurt Warner's son, QB at Temple this kid's been been warming up for a while now, and, and it seems like he's catching fire. I like what Temple has in him. He could potentially be maybe a transfer that goes to a bigger school. Who knows? Uh, 42 of 59 passing for 486 yards, just unbelievable numbers, and three TDs, zero interceptions, which you always like to see. They do come up short against Houston, but Houston is a better ball club, a more talented ball club, and, and E.J. Warner kept them in it. So uh, kudos to uh, little Warner up in Philadelphia. Drake May, I say his name virtually every week, QB UNC as they get the big win against Wake Forest, 31 of 49 for 448 yards, three TDs and zero interceptions. Also tallied 19 rushes for 71 yards and one touchdown as Drake May continues to put up ridiculous video game type numbers and I personally think is the clear front runner for the Heisman. I know he won't probably win it because of some biases, but that is my Heisman winner as of today. Michael Penix Jr., QB Washington, he's been on this list a couple times. They go into Eugene, Oregon, and get a major upset. I believe the first time they've beaten Oregon in, in over a decade, uh, and he impresses doing it 26 of 35 or 408 yards and two TDs. Did tally one interception, but that's okay. When you're in these high-profile matchups, one is not necessarily going to ruin your day. Bert Emanuel Jr. QB Central Michigan. That's a funny name there. Not have not mentioned him all season. Also a funny stat line for a quarterback. As they as the backup Bert Emanuel comes in and they get the dub against Buffalo. He goes 24 carries for 293 and three touchdowns and yes, you heard that right. He is a quarterback. He only tallied 20 yards on I believe one throw or one completion out of three throws. Um simply a running quarterback coming in there uh, and to try to muck it up on the ground and they sure did that as he leads them to victory uh just a ridiculous stat line maybe justin fields jr uh in in michigan up there in central michigan who knows eric gray this is a true running back oklahoma they do go down to west virginia and lose unfortunately but he has a great day 25 carries for 211 yards and two tds josh downs Drake May's got to throw to somebody. Josh Downs has been on this list a couple times, wide receiver from UNC. Um, 11 catches for 154 yards and three TDs. And last but not least, TCU defense that I've already hit on. Held Texas to 199 yards. Bijan Robinson to 29 yards, rushing his lowest total of, I believe, his career, if not uh, just this year. Two sacks and one interception on the day. Also held Texas score scoreless and a half for the first time since the 90s. Those are my braggers of Week 11.
1: All right. That does it for our week 11 abbreviated recap time to go into our week 12 preview. This one might feel a little funky because we're not recording at the same time, but I'll give you the lowdown like I do make my pick. Then let Pierce give his analysis might be some repeat information as a result because you know. It's hard when you're not actually looking at the person and going over things. But the first one we are going to talk about is actually not the one that I had pulled up on accident. All right, USC, the number 7 USC Trojans and the number 16 UCLA Bruins. That game is at 8 p.m. Eastern on Fox. Listen, we're not going in chronological order this week. We're just doing the damn thing. USC favorites on the road, one and a half points. Granted, not like they have to go very far, obviously. Pierce is going to hit on that with the uh, weird thing they do with the Rose Bowl and covering up seats. I don't know. All I know is USC is the Pac-12's best chance to get into the playoff. Now, they're going to have to have Caleb Williams perform very well because UCLA, they've been known to score some points as well. They've got their, themselves a pretty good offense as well. It just comes down to basically a pick em and who you think is going to win. Um, and you know what? I think I am going to go... UCLA. This line is moving even farther over to the USC side. I think I'm going UCLA um, even though it's only one and a half points at home. I just feel like it's one of those years where chaos happens. I think it's a, a, a you know destiny type moment for some of these teams who need some help and I just think that UCLA is, is reeling after last week and they've got a good game in store after they lost to Arizona. Uh, they got a good game at in store here and I like Uh, Chip Kelly to bring the fire in this one. So I'm going to take UCLA in a close one at home um, under the lights on that Saturday night on Fox. Give me the Bruins.
0: USC goes into UCLA, and I know they're from the same city. But listen, I've got UCLA in this one, plus one and a half. I know USC has the higher-ranked team. UCLA is coming off a loss uh, to Arizona in a shocker. Um, Really just some heroic stuff from Jaden DeLora. I just like the physicality of this UCLA team, and I know they didn't look all that physical last week um, in their defeat, but I know that Chip Kelly and his team is going to want to get back to that. I think they're going to be able to run the ball. I think DTR is going to make stuff happen. Um, the only worry in this game is Caleb Williams maybe you know having a heroic game um, just like Jaden DeLore did last week, but... You know, I just don't see this USC defense being able to stop it. I see UCLA on the ground being able to uh, to kind of quick, you know, speed up the game. Um, and, and I expect a big day from Charbonnet and DTR. Uh, it's a sellout I saw, which is kind of funny because the crowd does seat 90. The stadium does seat 90 plus and uh, the sellout was listed at 70. I think it's because they they cover up 20,000 of the seats, which again, Why? But they do get a sellout. This will be a big game uh, for the city of L.A. Two teams who uh, were hoping to be fighting for a playoff spot. Obviously, UCLA knocked out now. But I do just like this uh, this offensive uh, this offensive line, this running back for UCLA and DTR doing just enough. As long as he doesn't turn it over, um, and as long as they can uh, you know keep Caleb Williams from doing the heroic uh, like plays that Jaden Delora did, I think that they'll have enough to eke this one out. Plus, they're getting the points. Give me UCLA plus one and a half.
1: The number 10 Utah Utes in Eugene to take on the number 12 Oregon Ducks. That game is at 10.30 Eastern time Saturday night, so I will not be staying up for it, but it's on ESPN, Pac-12 after dark. We love to see it. The line is... Oregon favorite at home by two and a half points. That line is moving back towards Utah. Perhaps people are a little scared of the Ducks after what happened last week, but I think that that was an anomaly, not the rule. I think Bo Nix at home, he's back up and ready for this one. Uh, They're going to have to shut down Cam Rising, but I like what Oregon's done on defense so far this season. Um, Plus the two points, you're an underdog at home. I typically, oh, I'm, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I was looking at that wrong. Um, So this line has actually moved over to Utah being favored from what it started out. Granted, we're getting Oregon minus two, but I like that a lot. I think that that fares well for Oregon. Um, I typically roll with home underdogs. They are, in fact, the favorite in what we're picking it at, um, and they've been good against the spread this season. So I'm going to take the – I'm going to take the uh, Oregon Ducks in this one. I'm also probably would sprinkle a little bit of money on the over right now. I'm seeing it at 60 and a half. These are two pretty good offenses. They're going to score. We love a shootout type situation. Oregon's been averaging like 40 plus points in their game. So you just have to have Utah hold serve a little bit and you're going to hit that over easy. So that's, that's my other sneaky little play there. Um, I'd also, I don't know what the over under with USC UCLA was, but I probably would take that one too, if it's anywhere close to 60 because I mean, we love. We know the Pac-12 loves offense. These two games are going to be very offensively heavy. But I am going to take Oregon minus the two and a half at home. We'll see if they can pick themselves back up. Bo Nix, he's got he's got to make a way for himself. He was doing really well, but people won't watch them if he's not putting up numbers. So for that reason, I am going Ducks.
0: Utah travels to Oregon. I, I love Oregon in this one. Um, listen, I-, I know Oregon went down or went down last week to Washington. Washington had a ridiculously good performance in eugene i I, look at utah's two losses on the season they were to florida and they were to uh who was the other one florida and ucla excuse me um two very good running quarterbacks they like to play man-on-man on the outside and press coverage and what happens there is the backs get turned to these quarterbacks, and these quarterbacks are just able to take off and get their 10, 12, 20 yards rather easily. Or in the case of Anthony Richardson, you know, turn it into 70 and a touchdown. If Bo Nix is back, I think they take advantage of that. There's also Utah offense who isn't that great at passing the ball. They like to be physical and try to beat you up on the lines of scrimmage. What Oregon does well on defense is they do have a good rushing defense where they're susceptible is on the back end. You saw Georgia take advantage of that. Washington was able to take advantage of that. I think Utah is going to have to try to do that. I don't think they're going to be able to. Um, I, I do worry if this if if Bo Nix is not playing and, and I don't know the status of his injury as of now, which is Wednesday at uh 6 20 PM central time, you, you know, if he doesn't play then, then, then I get a little bit nervous, but Oregon is, uh, a, a slight favorite, minus two and a half. This is one where I see them winning by seven to 10, maybe even higher if Bo Nix is in there. Um, so be on the lookout for that. But I've got Oregon, minus two and a half, to rebound, just like UCLA, and beat
1: the Utah Utes. Number two, Ohio State in College Park. I think it's College Park. I visited there. I think it's College Park, Maryland, to take on the Terrapins. That game is at 3 30 Eastern Time on ABC. Ohio State, of course, what's at stake for them? They are undefeated. They have a number two spot in the playoffs right now. They're going to need to stay undefeated when they host Michigan in order to potentially have a loss and still make the playoffs. This is a team that could potentially at least give them a little bit more than they uh, can bargain for if. Uh, Talio Tagovailoa plays. If Talio Tagavalo doesn't play, I mean, Maryland sucks. I mean, I'm going to just be honest with you. Now, they haven't won seven games in a season, I think, in a decade. So they're going to be hungry. That being said, uh, no one's giving Maryland a shot. They're not going to win this game. It's whether or not they can hold close to Ohio State. They, of course, being 27.5-point dogs at home. Um, I think I mistyped this to Pierce, so we'll see if he, if he got it right because I think I put that Maryland was minus 27.5. But, uh, no, they are, in fact, getting 27.5 points um, in this one. C.J. Stroud and company, we know that they have the potential, right? They have the potential to be very good on offense. They've not always shown that. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what kind of C.J. Stroud and company we get. Uh, defensively. I would expect them to be able to, uh, you know, at least stop Maryland enough to to make the gap very large. I think, though, I just don't know if I trust Ohio State this season to cover point spreads like they should, right? Like, I think they're a very good team. I don't know if they're elite necessarily. Um, so, for that reason, I am going to take Maryland plus the 27 and a half points. It's just too many. It's too many. It's at home. It's going to be cold. Um, and I think that they're going to be able to be a little bit hyped. Uh, anytime you are going to play a team that has uh, national championship type hopes and hype, especially some Heisman hype, you're going to give them your best. I think they give Ohio State their best. I'm going to take the Terrapins in this one against my better judgment because I wouldn't be surprised if it's a blowout, but I'm going to take the Terps.
0: Ohio State going to Maryland this week in a kind of a tricky game, obviously one where they they uh, you know might be looking ahead to Michigan next week. They come to uh, Columbus and the shoe in what will be – an unbelievably big game. I mean, this has been in the big 10. I mean, this is what we've been looking forward to all season. So can Ohio state tune that out, have a big game and, 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 you know, cover this spread of Maryland. There's no reason for me not to say yes. Uh, I do worry a little bit about the look ahead spot, but I do think they go in Maryland has fallen off a bit here. You know, they started out the season and looked like they could be a, a team that, that, that has an upset or two and maybe, you know, ruin some, some teams' chances in the Big Ten. They've slid off a little bit here down the stretch. Um, I, I see Ohio State going in there. Obviously, if this game was over 28-and-a-half, I'd be a little bit more worried. But 27-and-a-half, they can win by four touchdowns and get this cover. I do say it a little bit nervously just because Ohio State has been susceptible to some bad games this year or some look-ahead spots, Uh, but this one is not one of them. I think they go in and easily defeat the Maryland Terrapins. Uh, So I got Ohio State minus a a 27.5.
1: Number one, George Bulldogs in Lexington to take on the Kentucky Wildcats. The game is at 3.30 Eastern time on CBS. I will be at this game. It is a high of 38 At kick time, I am going to freeze my little butt off. Um, So be thinking about me there. I don't think they make enough hand warmers for what I'm going to require on Saturday. Um, But the point spread that we'll be picking it at is Kentucky plus 22.5. I'm going to take Kentucky in this one, and I'll tell you why. I think Georgia wins. I think it's handily. But I know that I've watched enough Georgia-Kentucky games to know this is the two- uh, offenses that like to run the ball they're gonna it's gonna be it could be one of the fastest games you've ever seen uh, from a standpoint of you know obviously the clock keeps running um, I don't expect either of these teams to air it out too much uh, particularly on the Georgia side um, I think it's gonna be a little bit of just get in win the damn game, get back on the bus, get to a fire, and warm up. I don't see this being an offensive firepower show for the dogs, um, and I don't think that Kentucky's got what it takes to potentially win this one to turn it into a firepower. The over 40 and at half. I mean, in order for Georgia to cover it, have to go over, and I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. So I am going to take the Wildcats in this one uh, to cover. Georgia to win, obviously, I think it's more of like a 10 to 14 point game. I'm not going to lie. I think it's going to be um, very quick, very run heavy and very low scoring. Still going to uh, think the dogs win, but Kentucky plus 22 and a half at home.
0: Georgia traveling to Lexington, Kentucky this week in another tr- tricky spot. However, this isn't really a look ahead spot, obviously, with rivalry, rivalry week. Golly, I do that all the freaking times it gets in my head. I start thinking about it and I don't know why. Georgia going to Kentucky. Listen, this ain't a look-ahead spot. Georgia Tech is going to prove no challenge next week, in my opinion, in Athens. Um, This is the last big test for the SEC championship game. I think Georgia, you've seen, they've turned a corner and really flipped the switch, Um, not overlooking anybody like they did against Kent State State and Missouri. Um, Those were their two really those those were the two chances on the season uh, for a slip up and an upset. I don't see it happening here. I know Kentucky will probably come out and play pretty hard. They're going to be uh, really, really pissed off after last week losing to Vanderbilt. Um, but I think losing to Vanderbilt, it's not going to be too big of a rebound spot for them. I think they're going to have their tails between their legs. I'm not worried about Will Levis. I don't see him throwing for more than 150 yards. I see Georgia being able to make some, you know, get some pressures on him. Uh, they should be able to bottle up the run to a certain extent with Chris Rodriguez, you know, Keep him under 110 yards, hopefully, uh, and and I think they'll be able to move the ball on this Kentucky defense. Um, they're certainly going to try and stop the run. It is a higher spread than I would like, but that's just what you're going to get with Georgia being ranked number one and, and showing what they they can do the last few weeks. So give me Georgia minus the 22 and a half going into Lexington. I think this is a 24 28 type of game, probably somewhere around like 38 10 is is what I'm
1: thinking. Um, so I like the dogs in this one to cover the spread. The Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets in Chapel Hill take on the number 13 UNC Tar Heels. That game is at 5.30 Eastern Time on ESPN2. What we know about Georgia Tech is that they did okay after Jeff Collins was fired. They're not a terrible team. I think they had a very bad start. Now, I don't think that they're good. They're not going to be bowl eligible because they're going to lose this game and their next game. But... Things are okay in Georgia Tech. We'll see what, the thing, what coaching hire they make, obviously. Um, but they at least they, we know they have some talent on their roster. On the flip side of things, Pierce, UNC, 9-1 and one on the season. lot to play for if you're UNC. I don't think you're going to make the playoffs. It's very clear that the committee doesn't value your record and you've uh, – p- Probably because you've barely been beating teams. But Drake May has the potential to win the Heisman. He's putting up ungodly numbers. 34 touchdowns, 3 interceptions, over 3,000 yards so far on the season. That's going to happen when you have to put up 60-plus points because your defense can't stop nobody. They're 20-and-a-half-point favorites at home, I don't think that they cover that point spread. In what world have they been covering point spreads? They haven't been. Um, I think that Georgia Tech is able to move the ball on them because they just don't even line up when it plays. they play defense, basically. I don't think Gene Chizik is uh, long for this world of defensive coordinatorship. Uh, so I'm going to take Tech plus the points. UNC to win at home. Drake man to score a shit ton of points. But uh, I think they're not able to cover a 20.5 point spread because their defense sucks. So I'm taking the Jackets.
0: UNC hosts Georgia Tech UNC minus 20 and a half in this one. Interesting game here. Obviously UNC defensively is is suspect. They 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 give up they give up yards and they give up points. I'm not sure coming off that that loss to Miami, a a chance for Georgia Tech to take advantage of a bad situation going on uh, down in Coral Gables. Really, just struggled to put up many points. Uh, I think only got to fourteen. I don't see them being able to go on the road and keep this one all that close because I do see UNC getting pretty much naming their number here. Um, UNC has has you know everything to play for still. They're they're trying to get to the ACC championship game, and uh, an upset over Clemson might be able to get them into talking you know into the conversation for that final playoff spot. While an outside shot, I do think that UNC is going to try to put up points and maybe force the issue a little bit with Drake May, um, as they may just be playing for Drake May for Heisman now. Which, again, I think he's the front runner or should be the front runner. He's probably not in the media, or probably not uh, in in a lot of people's eyes because you just haven't seen much of him this year. But man, if you put up a blind, uh, you know, if you put up a blind statistics page. Um, with nobody's names, but all the statistics of the five or six Heisman contenders, man, Drake Mays is, is uncomparable to anybody. He is, he is head and shoulders above everybody statistically. I think they're going to give him a lot of, uh, of opportunities to put up ridiculous numbers again this week. I'm sure I'll be calling him out on braggers next week. So I like UNC minus 20 and a half. I have been taking some big numbers the last couple uh, games we've picked, but this one, I feel probably the most confident about uh, UNC at home. Minus 20 and a half against Georgia Tech. If they can just keep Georgia Tech under 20 points, then they cover this with these. So give me the Tar Heels, minus 20 and a
1: half. The Illinois Fighting Illini in the big house take on the number three Michigan Wolverines. That game is at noon Eastern time on ABC. Michigan looking to stay perfect as they look ahead, potentially, to that rivalry matchup with Ohio State next week. Illinois had a very good October and have had a very lackluster November so far on the season. Um, you know, hey, listen, October is real, but the minute that they hit November, boom, skid-skid losses to Michigan State and Purdue, both at home as well. Not good looks for them. Michigan is going to be favored at home by 175 half. Points They're going to win, let's be honest here. In fact, I'm not even going to let Illinois even be in the conversation for covering this. Now, Pierce did hit on a good point with the Ohio State pick earlier on in the podcast. This is potential look-ahead spots for both of these teams. I think it's more of a look-ahead spot for Ohio State having to travel to Maryland than Michigan getting Illinois coming into their stadium. Um, I just don't see Illinois hanging with Michigan. I, in fact, think Michigan is more talented than Ohio State. They just don't have that dude or the big name, if you will, there um, at quarterback. But Blake Corum is very talented there in the backfield, um, and I think that they're going to be able to hang half a hundred on Illinois if they so choose. Don't think they will. I think it's going to be one of those get in there, get the dub, cover. And for my sake, please, and then get out of there um, and start preparing for Ohio State. But this is absolutely um, a cakewalk for them. And I don't think it's a potential trap spot because of the fact that it's at home. Potentially, I think that that's the big thing is it's harder to look ahead at home than it is when you're on the road. So I'm taking Michigan minus the points, even though I didn't have the uh, same uh, niceties for Ohio State. I think that that could potentially be a look ahead spot. But uh, I think Michigan handles it, handles it well, and gets ready for that big matchup that I am chomping at the bit to see between Ohio State and Michigan. Illinois
0: at Michigan in a very interesting game. And listen, I, Illinois has really, uh, you know, they've kind of hit a stumbling block here. And the last two weeks, obviously going down to uh, to Purdue this past week, also losing to, I'm drawing a blank, the week before You know, this was a team that had a chance. Maybe they were going to be a a a good. They were going to give Michigan or Ohio State a good fight in the Big Ten championship. Not sure I see that anymore. This team, I think some, I think they've been found out. You know, I know they've kind of shot themselves in the foot um, two weeks ago, not being able to 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 capitalize on good drives, turning the ball over. uh, You know, inside the twenty of the other opponents. uh, You know, field. I kind of like Illinois to go in there and muck this one up. Listen, I'm not sold on JJ McCarthy uh, as a quarterback. Doesn't really prep, push the ball down field all that much. Um, this is a smash mouth team. This does this team does play physical, but I think that kind of plays into the hands of this Illinois team. Uh, I do worry about Illinois being able to put up enough points to stay with Michigan. Uh, but this is, I, I think, if there's going to be a look ahead spot. It's going to be from Michigan more so than Ohio State this week. Um, you know, 17 and a half points is a lot, especially getting that hook. I know it's on the road. Give me Illinois uh, to, to cover this spread in, in what could be a very sleepy game for a Michigan team who has all eyes set on. Uh, Ohio State, and certainly coming off two losses, maybe overlooking Illinois even more. Just a hunch I have, um, so give me the Illinois Fighting Illini to, uh, to go in there and surprise some folks and cover this spread.
1: The number 14 Ole Miss Rebels in Fayetteville to take on the Hogs of Arkansas. That game is at 7.30 Eastern time on the SEC Network. Arkansas fighting for bowl eligibility, sitting at 5-5 five and five so far on the season. They're going to need to either win this one or Mizzou to end the season to get to that bowl eligibility spot. Ole Miss is not going to make the playoffs, but they are fighting for better bowl. uh, uh, What is the word Look placement? I guess, right? Better bowl positioning. They're trying to forego some of those nastier bowls in places like Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, Arkansas at home picking up two and a half points. I like the Hogs in this one. Now, don't get me wrong; like I think that this is the perfect spot for Lane Kiffin to go in and just absolutely, um, you know, uh, blister his colleagues on or our opponents. I guess I, they're not colleagues; he doesn't work with them, but uh, he loves to embarrass teams. I'll put it that way. But they haven't been doing that really so far in the season. They're four, five, and one against the spread. Now we know offensively they've got great firepower, and Arkansas doesn't necessarily have everything they can to stop people defensively, but it is at home. They are, um, you know, Arkansas is a very passionate fan base and they're going to be a little bit uh, embarrassed after losing their past two games, Liberty and LSU, especially since the LSU game was so damn close and could have been a W. I think that this one is a spot Arkansas wins outright. KJ Jefferson, uh, if he's back and fully healthy, which I believe he is. Um, So I'm going to take them. I think Jackson Dart uh, has some inefficiencies there. Um, and I just think that, uh, I think that the desperation mode for Arkansas probably sets in for the we want to make a damn bowl. And Mizzou, not like they're a team necessarily that's a big powerhouse, but they can, they can scheme and, and get some things done. So I think it's, a, it's not a, well, you know, if it doesn't happen this week, it happens next week. You know, you've got to win one of these games. I think they know that. So I like Arkansas plus the points. I like them outright this week. Give me the house.
0: Arkansas coming off a uh, tough loss last week at home to LSU in a game that, you know, I think if they have KJ Jefferson, they probably pull off that upset, uh, really stifled LSU on offense. LSU really, you know, they dared them to run and, 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 and they tried and they did, but you know, it was kind of a bimba but don't break. They, they were opportunistic. They made a lot of sacks. They came after and pressured Jaden Daniels like crazy. I think they had seven sacks. Um, they are underdogs of uh, two and a half points to Ole Miss could this be a spot where Ole Miss, you know, you know, stumbles again after a tough loss, a heartbreaking loss to Alabama. They they were really looking forward to to rushing the field, storming the field there in Oxford. I don't see it. I unless KJ Jefferson's back to full health, I don't see it. Um, you know, this is a this is they they look better with the third string coming in, but I don't know if they're going to start him. I, I you know, he was he was not the sharpest tool in the toolbox. I, I think if KJ Jefferson is not back, I think this Ole Miss team will be able to run all over this Arkansas defense. And and on the back end, they certainly don't pose the challenge that Alabama secondary did. Um and and in particular, if they can keep Jackson Dart upright in this one. Arkansas does have a, an ability to get after the quarterback. If they can give Jackson Dart enough time and and you know, their running game gets going, which I think their running game is is just as good, if not better, than LSU. I know I'll probably catch some flack for that, uh, but I do like their running backs better than LSU. LSU just has the mobile quarterback who is sneaky athletic um, and, and probably the better offensive line. But, man, I love the two-headed uh, back backfield that Ole Miss has. I think they'll be able to establish that, run some play action off of it, have some wrinkle plays. Um, I like Ole Miss. I think they just have a little bit too much um, and, and getting – Having to cover the two and a half, it feels a lot better than a six or seven, which I would have thought this game would be at. So give me Ole Miss Rebels minus the two and a half to go into Fayetteville and uh, and get a big win and a rebound spot.
1: The number five Tennessee Volunteers in South Carolina take on the Gamecocks. That game is at 7 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN. Jalen Hyatt who is a South Carolina native and did not receive an offer from the Gamecocks, has basically promised that he's going to go out and do everything he can to just absolutely embarrass Shane Beamer and company. So uh, that doesn't bode well for them. Um, They are going to be road favorites, 21.5 points. South Carolina picking up 21.5 points. That is a lot of points at home. That's the kind of thing that I would be very eager to roll with the home team on but I just can't, I can't Tennessee what they now don't get me wrong. I don't love like, and I understand his reasoning, um, Josh Heupel's reasoning for why he allowed his guys to go out. uh, The second team uh, offense to go out and score to just absolutely when they didn't need to, to absolutely embarrass Mizzou. Um, I mean, I think a little bit might've been style points to be able to look and pad that resume and go, Hey, look, we look how we're not only winning, but we're blowing teams out. Um, but I get it. Well, he was like, well, "They're on the goal line. What am I going to do? Tell him to not to not score." Um, so I get it. But you also, d- did you need to be down on the goal line? Like you know, said like this is the I don't know. To me, it's like all gas, no breaks with him. Um, so I don't love things like that. I, but but then again, that's the the killer instinct that most of my coaches haven't had at the University of Georgia. So um, you know, whatever. But that being said, they blow teams out. They absolutely blow teams out. Uh, I don't think they even. They look at the point spread and scoff. 21 and half points. I think that they win this game by 40 if they want to. Spencer Rattler, not good. What the Gamecocks have, not good. Um, and and I don't think that they can even be on the same field as Tennessee. Most teams can't. That's not an indictment on South Carolina. Most teams just can't be on the same field as Tennessee. Um, offensively, they, the firepower they have is one of the better offenses we've ever seen. I'm not going to say 2019 LSU obviously I mean, mainly because look at what that has translated into for the NFL. I don't know if I see a shit ton of NFL – I shouldn't have said the S-word, but I don't know if I see as much NFL talent uh, translatable. Not, And the people could prove me wrong, um, but I don't know if I see that necessarily. I just think it's a very good scheme and a very good system quarterback for what they want to do. And he's 25 years old, so he's been around the block a time or two. For all those reasons, I'm going. Hooker and the Tennessee Volunteers, That apparently they want to continue to put up style points. They want to continue to show the committee of both the playoffs and as well as the Heisman voters that, hey, look at us, look at us, and I think that they win this. Game very handily by a crap ton of points. Tennessee all day, uh, and and you know what? They're the better team. Why would you not roll with the better team? Maybe my favorite
0: game of the week from a from a number standpoint. Tennessee goes on the road to South Carolina. Listen, this might be a spot where you're thinking South Carolina can can sneak up on Tennessee here, but no, 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 no. Listen, the one th- my my e- the easiest picks of the entire season for me from a gambling perspective have been Tennessee. This is an offense, and I've seen it with TCU in years past. This is an offense that's not only humming; it's got some high-level players, and they just don't struggle against inferior opponents. It just doesn't really happen, um, you know. If, if you've got a, a really good defense, you might run up against an offense that does pretty well. But I feel like offenses, when you run this type of offense, yeah, it might not be the best to go up against, you know, an elite elite defense. But when you're facing a team that you should beat, you cover these big spreads. They have to cover this big spread and they have to do it in, in style very much like last week um, because they need it. They need it. They're they're They, they look like they're in a good spot to get in the playoffs. Don't get me wrong, but, You don't want to go out there and and struggle against a South Carolina team, albeit on the road, because then the committee can look at you and go, well, that might make us, you know, that may make us TCU might have a firmer grasp on this than than what we thought. And maybe a Michigan Ohio State game, if that is a close affair, maybe they put Michigan to four or or Ohio State to four, whoever loses that game and uh, to set up a potential rematch. Um, so Tennessee needs to go out and put up points here and put up a lot of points. I think they do that. Uh, you saw South Carolina again, some of the better teams this year. I mean, heck even Florida last week, put up 38 and held South Carolina to, to, I think under 10 points. Um, this is a spot where I think Tennessee goes in there and puts up 50 plus, uh, then South Carolina might get a couple points. Um, but I, I, I don't see them getting over 20 points here. So give me the Vols minus the 21 and a half.
1: The Iowa Hawkeyes and the Minnesota Golden Gophers, that game is at 4 o'clock Eastern time on Fox. Iowa, on the road, picking up two and a half points. What we know about Iowa. My God, their offense. Now, it has gotten a little bit better as of late. They've been able to score um at least some touchdowns right but like they're not capping past they'd scored 33 but it was northwestern 24 purdue and 24 wisconsin um before that they were really struggling to put up any type of points. so has anything changed i don't know maybe have they gotten magically a lot better overnight i don't know could it be that they were playing really bad competition i'm gonna go with that one i'm gonna go with that one, Minnesota, not necessarily the best team in the world, but what PJ Fleck has been able to do at a school that's not a is not a dominant power in football, never has been, and, and probably honestly never will be, um, is very uh, you know commendable. They are at home. They are favored by two and a half points. I'm taking Minnesota. I've got no if-ands or buts about it. I think that Iowa, even though, like I said, they have had better offensive uh, success as of late. I don't think that they're going to be able to score on Minnesota all that much. Now, that being said, it's not like Minnesota has, uh, you know, a a very explosive offense themselves. Like, they can definitely put up points, but they can also definitely, um, you know, not put up points, if that makes sense. That's a dumb analogy. But I just think when you're looking at transitive property, and it is at home, um, and it's, you know, that that perfect midday kick, 17 degrees, um, I think that that bodes very well for the Golden Gophers. So I'm going to take them. Plus the or minus the two and a half at home probably won't watch a single snap of this game and won't feel any type of way about it, but uh, this is, this was a stinker week—a slate of games to pick. I'll put it that way. Especially with some of the things that happened out west, um, you know, kind of a cupcake week for a lot of teams as they head into rivalry week. Stinker set of games. That's why we're picking this one, but I would stay away from it. Stay away from it with a ten foot pole if I didn't have to pick it, um, and and so yeah, don't actually put your money on this. That would be dumb.
0: Iowa travels up to Minnesota this week, man, this is an ugly game. I, I don't even really know what to say about this one. This is gonna be if you if you if you like defense or you like sloppy offensive play, watch this one because that's what you will get. Minnesota this year looked like at, at, at one point they were a sneaky pick to win the west side and and maybe face Ohio State or Michigan uh, in the Big Ten championship. they've fallen off a cliff. Um, you know, Tanner Morgan really regressed after the first four or five games of the season. They do have Mo Ibrahim, which I absolutely love at running back. Um, uh, but he will not be enough in this one, um, to, to just absolutely guarantee a cover. Iowa, on the other hand has looked better offensively. Um, defensively, you know what you're going to get. They play good football there. They're well coached. Um, but offensively. I do worry about this because they've looked better on the last couple weeks, but they go up to Minnesota in what could be a unique environment, a, a different kind of sleepier environment uh, for this Iowa team coming in. I kind of like Minnesota minus the two and a half in this one, in a plug your nose game and just 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 pull that number. Um, I, I see it probably being a close. Low-scoring game, obviously low-scoring. Who would, who would think these two teams get above 24 points? Um, and, and I like Minnesota to very closely squeak this one out, um, especially at this small number of 2.5, but it's going to be an ugly one.
1: Number 4, TCU in Waco to take on the Baylor Bears. That game is at noon Eastern time on Fox-TCU shocked the world a little bit, I dare say, last week, versus Texas. It was a very common pick. It was a very... um, um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Bandwagon pick I don't know, that's not the word I'm looking for. But anyways, everybody was on Texas. They thought, well, TCU's not all that good. They're gonna get upset this week. They didn't. They they their defense rose to the occasion and they beat the Texas Longhorns 17 to 10 in Austin. They've got to do it again in Waco. Baylor, not as talented as Texas, in my opinion. Um, but they can muck some things up. It is at home. This is a pretty big game in terms of rivalry. I didn't go to either of these teams. Uh, or any of these, either of these schools, I should say. I know Pierce did, but I don't think TCU and Baylor like each other all that much. Um, so that could potentially be, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a factor. Baylor, of course, coming off a thirty-one and three blowout versus Kansas State last week, um, and I think that that is going to hold hold true on this one as well. I think that uh, TCU, though, it was a very emotional, very hard-fought victory last week. Potential for a very good letdown spot. I don't think it is. I think that this reason we're seeing them sit at 10-0 and 0 is because they're just good. They're just good, a good team. Max Duggan is just good. Um, and I don't think Baylor is as good. And I, not only is TCU winning games, but they're covering the point spread. Two and a half is not all that much. I'm taking them minus the points all day long. I think Max Duggan has a great day. Um, you know, And I think that they, at this point, I'm ready to just ride their coattails until the, the Big Ten, 12 championship, I should say. If you're Tennessee fans, you're hoping. If you're a UCL, USC fan, you're hoping. Honestly, if you're a Big Ten fan, you're hoping for a slip up here because that helps you when it comes time for playoff talk. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen. I don't. I'm taking TCU minus the points here. I don't know what our TCU alum is going to say, so let's send it over to him, see if he's rolling with his frogs or if he's going to play the cautious thing that we typically do as fans where we pick against. So either way, we'll be happy. Pierce, what do you think about your Horn Frogs?
0: TCU travels to Waco, Texas to face the Baylor Bears. Interesting game here. Uh, Obviously, coming off a good win against Texas, really supplanted them or cemented them, excuse me, cemented them as a Final Four team at the moment. This is the tricky game for me. I know I had Texas in my easy-peasy last week. It was just a spot play. It felt right. Um, And obviously, I've had a a habit of going against TCU this year. I'm honestly doing it now out of superstition. but this is a game where I do worry coming off a huge emotional win at Texas. As much as you want to say it, I know I know frog fans will probably say they hate Baylor more, but man, Texas is a nice one to beat and, and a big game. I know Texas doesn't treat it as such because TCU is is just not one of their rivals. They're not up to their uh, level and they haven't you know played them head to head as often as, uh, you know, other teams that have been in the Big 12 for for decades. Baylor and TCU has a lot of animosity. This is going to be a tough game. Baylor, for uh, you know some of their struggles this year, they're going to come out fired up. They know that they can end TCU season with a win here. They're at home. This one scares me a lot. I, I think TCU, they're going to need a big day from Kendra Miller. I, I feel good about him having a solid uh, to good game. I think Dave Arena is going to have something for TCU here. I think TCU can, can pull off a win here, but man, I think it's going to be close. Baylor getting the two and a half. Like I said, they're, they're going to be ready for this TCU team. If TCU is not prepared to go in there and absolutely uh, if they're not clicking on all cylinders from the snap of the first play, I think Baylor can, can sneak up on this team at home, small number, these two and a half lines. I always say are the scariest ones, uh, a road, Favorite uh, of less than three of three or less. Give me Baylor plus two and a half. I just have a weird hunch here, but also I'm very superstitious about this frogs team and uh, I've gone against them pretty much all year and I'll continue to do so as long as they keep winning. So give me the Baylor bears plus the two and a half.
1: There you have it. There are our 10 picks for the week. Now is time for Pierce's easy peasy picks. This is where he's going to be putting his hard earned cash for the week. Um, Listen, we might have already covered these games, but the reason we have him reiterate them is because he likes the plays all that much. Maybe he'll have a couple of new ones for us as well. If you are into the gambling thing, you're definitely going to want to listen to where he's putting his money because he thinks this is where it is, the easy-peasy money. Pierce, take it away.
0: This week's easy-peasy plays, uh, just a FYI, 21-11 and 11 on the season. Pretty good record, 2-1 and one again last week, getting wins Auburn over Texas A&M and Tennessee over Missouri, one loser was Texas minus six and a half of TCU this week. Uh, going with the Florida Gators minus 14 over Vandy. Vandy coming off a, a huge upset win over Kentucky. Listen, going to catch flack for this from my people in Nashville. Uh, but maybe Vandy does, you know carry this into this next game. I just think they're going to have a tough time with the physicality of this Florida offense. I think they'll be able to run it pretty much at will. Um, And and I think Anthony Richardson, you've seen against lesser, you know, against defenses that aren't at the elite at best of the best, such as a Georgia, they really, uh, they're really able to pass the ball around and find ways of getting the getting Anthony Richardson, uh, uh, you know, some confidence and, and getting the ball to his open receivers. I think they'll do that. I see Florida pretty much being able to score at will here. Um, and as long as they keep Vandy from, from putting up 28 to 30 points, I think they get this uh, spread. I would have, I would have, uh, placed this spread at somewhere around 17, uh, to, to 18 points. We've got some value on the line here. Give me Florida minus 14, uh, to go into Nashville and beat the Vanderbilt Commodores and cover this one rather easily. And, again, I hit on this one uh, in in my picks. I, th- I feel like I've been riding them all year. Give me Tennessee uh, minus – I know I got them at twenty and a half. and I still like them at 21 and a half over South Carolina this week. South Carolina did go on the road. They are at home. Maybe that's a little bit of a get-right spot. But they went on the road and only scored six points against uh, – a Florida team who you've seen has been susceptible to giving up a lot of points this, this year. And, uh, and, and, and they absolutely dominated against the South Carolina team. I think Tennessee does that. I think Tennessee won't have too much issues with this crowd noise. Maybe they do at first, but this is a team that has to put up a lot of points. They've got to get some style points. They've got to look good doing it. Um, And and yes, I know they're probably locked into a playoff spot already. Virtually. I think TCU probably goes down in the next three weeks Um, or they jump in once Michigan or Ohio state loses. That being said, I still think that they look at it as we we can't have a blunder in these next two games. We've got to make it count and put it on our resume with a fifty-plus point performance. I think they do that. I'm not really fond of the South Carolina team. I'm not sure they're going to go out. Listen, this defense has looked for Tennessee has looked good against teams that are a little bit more inept on offense. Rightfully so. Uh, That seems pretty 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 logical. um, I'd say or pretty you know like a no duh moment. Um, but I, 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 think this Tennessee team will look good and they'll go into, uh, South Carolina and absolutely dominate this Gamecocks uh, team. I like this even up to 24 points. I think they get about a 28 or 30 point win. I think they get to 40. I'm just not sure South Carolina could get over 20 points. Um, even though it's against a mediocre at best defense, I think this defense you've seen has done well against mediocre offenses such as Kentucky and Missouri and so on and so forth. So give me the Vols in another spot where I just love them to put up points, points, points. And last but not least, a very interesting pick here. Makes me feel, uh, it gives me the heebie-jeebies, but I love that it gives me the heebie-jeebies. I went against, I went in the under. I was on the under on this team last week. They lost, but the under hit. USC at UCLA. I know it's in LA. USC-UCLA rivalry game under 76. Listen, for the most part this season, point totals in the Pac-12 up in the seventy range have been going under. I know there, there are some exceptions. I th- I just think I feel good about UCLA in this one. You know, as long as Caleb Williams doesn't just go, uh, you know, play hero ball here, I like UCLA to win this game. I think one of the ways they do that is by running the ball uh, over and over and over again, running DTR. Yes, he'll put up some pa- good passing statistics, uh, but I think they need to quick. They need to speed up this game. Uh, and limit the possessions that Caleb Williams has because he's one of the best players in college football. UCLA knows it. We all know it. Um, if you give him the ball too many times, he's going to make you pay more often than not. Uh, so I think they need to slow this game up, um, or excuse me, speed this game up by running the football um, early and often, keeping the USC offense off the field. I think they'll do that to a certain extent as long as USC doesn't allow, you know, four plays, four rushes, four. You know, 68 yards all on the ground every possession. I think UCLA will be able to keep this one a little lower scoring Uh, and I think this is more like in the mid-60s, high-60s so we're getting some value there on the line. Uh, I think this game goes under the point total of 76. Those are my easy pieces of the week. Hope you hopped on board at the very beginning. If not, hop on now. Uh, It's a good way to earn some money.
1: There you have it. That is our week 11 recap. Week 12 We'll be back next week with our normal two episodes. We'll be in the same spot. So maybe you'll get uh, some extra podcasts if you are lucky. Um, And, yeah, that's going to do it here for us. Make sure that you are following us on social media at Pod across both Twitter and Instagram. But until next time, I'm Madison.
0: I'm Pierce. Stay blessed, y'all.